It's Friday, so it's time for the weekly wrap. And this week we're speaking to Anu Smith from Sky Blue Fund Managers in the Western Cape of the Republic of South Africa. And Anu, a week is almost at a close, but it's been an extraordinary week. I mean, apart from Argentina and their stock market falling 48% in one day, that's nervous laughter, by the way. Uh, we've had uh, the US market on one day falling 800 points. That's the Dow Jones. We've had President Trump becoming more and more unhinged in his pronunciations. And of course, we've had companies like Discovery and Aspen going down, and, and Sassel, incidentally, which we'll come to in a moment, mm. going to levels we haven't seen for many, many years. It's extraordinary what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but we did a graph just uh, internally for uh, you know the people that work here um, in terms of of uh, market prices or company prices on the JSE, yes. predominantly top forty, versus their ten year. Uh, history and a lot of those are actually now close to to a ten year low. Quite a few of them, um, and most of them are are below forty percent um, in terms of their their ten year low. So forty percent up, um, well forty percent between the, the the high and the low for right. the last ten years. And that, that, so it's actually astounding. And I was speaking to a client yesterday as well, and I, I'm, I'm I don't think we realised this, but I think we might be right in the middle of a, of a bear market. Um, you know, if, if, if you strip out the likes of Nasdaq and Richmond and the shares that's actually been holding up, um, I think the the all shares are is, is probably down 20, 25%. I mean, it, if it's not more. So, um, you know, I, I think if you if you strip some of those around ages out, we might actually be in a bear market and we might even be more towards the end of a bear market. Um, and, and it's almost as though nobody's realized this. We, we're so focused on the geopolitical issues that we are, aren't looking at, at the market returns from the high to the low point. Um, so it's, it's actually been it's, it's been bad, yeah. So what you're saying it's is we take, we, we take out Naspers, we take out Richemont, uh, we take out British American Tobacco. You can't take out AB and Bev because it's not part of the index, or mm, one of the two is not in the index. Anyway, you take the really big super international Rand hedge stocks that don't do much business here, and we say to ourselves, well, yes, we are in a bear market. And you can't say we we might be in a bear market. We are in a bear market. Definitely, oh, no, definitely. It, and, and, and if you add to that to the, to the resource counters, the likes of, of um, Amplat and Anglos and so forth, I mean, it looks even worse uh, because those have actually been the counters that, that's held up the all share up until now here today. So no, no, definitely we're very, very with, in, in the midst of, 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 of a bear market, there is very good reasons for that, I suppose. But the biggest reason, I, I think, is, is still this uncertainty um, that, that's not only in South Africa, it's obviously worse in South Africa, but I think in the world we've got lots of uncertainty, and more so from a geopolitical point of view. So it's all about trade wars and um, this type of thing, but, but that obviously feeds into... So there's a lot of politics that feeds into the economic growth and trade, which is also important for economic growth, but also important for profits. Um, I mean, I got a, I've got an infographic this morning from somebody who sent it, and I think this captures it. Um, unfortunately, we can't show it because we're only talking now, but I can try and explain it to you. Yes. It's um, showing it's, – it's a map of the world that shows countries that um, – Banned Huawei, uh, the, the cell phone pro provider from China, and um, and those are basically coloured in a certain colour. 
blue to be to be to, well it is blue and on, on the infographic and then there's people who's embracing or countries who's embracing the the, the same phone supply cell phone supply and those are china indonesia saudi and and in the middle you've got uh, people that are unlikely to ban they've colored that and this is on bloomberg so if people want to go and look it up they can probably find it on bloomberg and have a better description than what i'm trying to give you and then you've got people who's on the fence uh, clearly, there is this geopolitical game, the war, if you want to call it, almost like a Cold War. I don't want to be too harsh, but it's almost like a Cold War type uh, event we we're seeing playing out. And there's people that's taking sides, and it's it's uh, it's alarming how quickly this is happening um, in terms of taking sides. So you've got the old what we what what we call the West, um, and then you've got the new uh, China and 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 the people that's siding with China and. Uh, actually looks now that China's got more support than, than the West currently. And then you've got the UK and Europe, big parts of Europe, that's slam in the middle and they, they can't make up the, uh, their mind as to where they want to go. So I, I think this is, if, if you take that infographic and, and as a summary to the backdrop of the world, you can probably explain a lot of what's going on. You can probably explain exactly what's going on with the trade wars. Uh, to a certain extent, you can probably explain what's being highlighted in Hong Kong. I'm not saying because there's obviously rumors around as to who's causing the, the Hong Kong protests. I don't think that that's entirely true. But the fact that, that somebody or the president of the United States highlights Hong Kong and says, no, the, the president of China must, be, must meet those protesters um, and he can person. get it sorted out in 15 minutes. I mean, this is the, this is naivety of the man that is in charge of the free world, so-called. He's not in charge of anything. He says that if President Xi no. went to Hong Kong, he could sort it out in 15 minutes. He's good. I saw him on television say that. It's pathetic. Yep, exactly. And it's, it, 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 so that's the one part of it is you can clearly see there is a lot of politics being played, global politics. So country versus country and allies versus allies. And then what, what's also interesting if, on, on that note is that if you go and look for articles, you would see that China has actually now put forward, um, that they're putting a tender in for, for dredging one of the biggest rivers in Argentina in terms of supplies of, of agricultural uh, products. Mm. Um, if they get that, uh, they're already the biggest uh, purchaser of, of uh, agricultural commodities out of Argentina. Um, so it makes sense for them to, to, to tender for it and probably to put in a very low tender because then, then they can actually secure the cargo, so the transport of, of those commodities, and they are also the biggest purchaser of those commodities. And what they also do is they cut the U.S. out of it completely. Mm. Um, so I think there's lots of this going on, and you can boil a lot of the stuff. Like I said, if you, if you look, look at that infographic, um, I think that's the backdrop for a lot of what we are seeing and what we are hearing. Send it to me, um, and I'll put it on. I'll, I'll attach it to this podcast if you could you send me that. But if, just you. going back to the soybean story and the China story and the Latin American story, which is linked to it, uh, maybe 30, 35 years ago, just as China was starting to say to itself, well, we're going to become a semi-democratic open economy. Uh, it's probably a very mm -hmm. clumsy way to put it. But anyway, they wanted Brazilian soybeans. So they said, OK, we'll build a port for you with yep. our money that allows us to take out the soybeans from Brazil to China. And that's the way they do things. They go to Africa and they build infrastructure, they build roads, uh, they build schools. Yeah. And they say, yeah. right, well, this is how we're going to do things. It's a very unusual way of doing things. And some people say it's almost like neo-colonialism, but 
the point is that they do it and they do it successfully. And I'm, I'm also, when I say sorry, I'm sorry, but Mr. Trump is out of his league here. Yeah, look at them. Now, I think China has made it very clear that there was articles from the local media in China that made it very clear, clearer than what we read in, in the Western newspapers or Western media. Um, and and it's, they're not gonna, it's not as though they're going to step back. Um, they made it very clear. They're saying that, look, uh, we believe uh, U.S. is heading towards the wall. We're just going to wait this out. Was basically that. That's not exact words, but in, in summary, that was the feeling. Um, so look, uh, they've got no reason to, to step back. Um, like you said, so, so that strategy of of building ports, of building relationships directly, not through open, or not through listed markets. Um, that's obviously now helping them tremendously. So, which puts them in, in a very, very nice space um, in terms of, of, of world geopolitics. Um, remember, China still needs to import all of their oil. They still need to imp- they still need to import a lot of their um, agricultural commodities. So, if it wasn't for those connections, they would have had a problem now. Um, so, it is interesting. I think it's it's worthwhile, you know, keeping an eye on. Um, and and then, then you've got this economic data that came out of the U.S., um, which is very confusing because some of the data is actually looking very very well. And then you've got data also coming out which isn't looking very very healthy out of the U.S. So the data coming out is is confusing. And then, and then you've got data coming out of China, which is pointing towards a slower economy, a slowing economy. But yet again, if it, and this is something I don't know. People that that's been to China um, would know the company JD.com. You you see the little uh, red little uh, tricycles that deliver the the goods. They're online um, um, provider of on, online sales, in, online internet sales company, if you want to call it that. Twenty three percent revenue growth, one hundred and fifty billion yuan, and that, the numbers doesn't add up. So again. It's very confusing at this stage because then some of the numbers that's coming out of the companies doesn't add up to the economic numbers. Some of the economic numbers is pointing to different, uh, you know, some of them pointing to, to better days and some of them pointing to, to worse days. So it is very confusing. And then you've got the Fed who's just done one cut. It seems they might do another cut. But yet you've got inflation, which is now higher in. in, in well, we, and, and also we've got the inverted yield curve, which is the second time this has happened. But this is between the two-year and the ten-year. Before we get to the international markets, Anu, City Lodge came up with their results. These results need not detain us, not because they're not important, but we've got bigger mm-hmm. fish to fry here. Discovery Limited, voluntary announcement, Discovery's view on the NHI bill and the future role of medical schemes. The share price up around about 2% as we pre-record this podcast at lunchtime, Johannesburg time, mm-hmm. Cape Town time. Uh, what do you make of the whole discovery story? Because it has been astonishing. Yeah, look at it. I think they are, I haven't read the article that or the, the statement they've put out yet. So, um, but what I've I've read before, um, discovery is, is very clear on on how they how they see this playing out. So they are saying um, rather do this through the existing private sector and um, subsidise people that can't afford um, medical aid. Now, now one can also argue, obviously, they would, would say that because they speak in their own book. Um, but I think what is clear is that the NHI, if it were to be done in government, from a government point of view, without embracing private sector, or asking the private sector to help them to implement this, it is undoable. It's unaffordable and undoable. So clearly, there would have to be ties between government and private sector. And it's funny that, that you now, we're now talking about discovery 
um, and this national health um, uh, bill or, or funded that, that's um, coming out. To. Remember, nothing is yet um, signed in. So, again, uncertainty, and we're not sure how this is going to play out. Hopefully, there's some people in government that would think about things. But uh, the one thing I would like to mention, and, you know, we're talking about results. So, it's, uh, uh, we have mentioned them just before we started talking about discovery. So, yes. Kiro come out with with. with, with Results privatize, you know, it's with private education. Uh, Medair came out with results. Both of those companies, the results is astounding. I mean, it's unbelievable. But the point I want to make is, and I think when you say what astounding, what do you mean? Astounding to the downside or astounding to the upside? To, to, to the upside. I mean, if, if, you, if you compare the numbers that they put on the table um, and compare them to some of the other companies, they're doing very, very well. Right. But why are they doing well? They are doing well because. The government can't provide proper education, and that's why the private education industry is growing at, at a rapid pace. But it's Maybe a tiny percentage of the, of the whole pool. You've it is a tiny percentage. X million that, that kids that need to be educated on it. And Curo services very, very well, from what I understand, services a small percentage. But on the other hand, what about the other 85%? That's exactly it's terrible. Yeah, so, 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 so the point is, is, is my, my point is, and, and we'll, we, we can talk about that, your point as well, but Metair is playing in a space where, where SAA could easily have played. Um, but the problem is we see this inability of state-owned enterprises to actually deliver, and that's cr- uh, that we, which is now creating opportunity for the private sector. So there's lots of talk about you know, um, nationalizing, um, it's, it's, a, it's a thing we, we hear quite a lot from populist type of, uh, you know, rhetoric. Um, but why do you want to nationalize if what you've got you can't even manage? And just by default, you act, it's being privatized. So government is actually, without doing anything, but just because the, the service deliveries are poor, some of the services are already being privatized. And, and, and I think that's where the problem sits. Is there's a, it obviously creates opportunity for, for some. So if you're invested in Kira, you're not complaining. If you're invested in Medair, you're not complaining. Um, so it creates opportunity as well. But I think that, that, that that's the point where our, I think government's just missing the point completely. And if you put an NHI in to bring the whole conversation back to where we started, yeah. if you put it in, in the way it's been proposed now, you're going to create exactly the same thing. So you're just going to drive up prices for for private medical care, and um, the people that can afford it are still going to pay for it. So exactly the same thing is going to happen. So, but what is? I mean, I, I, like I said, I haven't read that statement. But Aspen, for example, I, I just don't understand. The market is very skittish, and Aspen, yes, they, they've paid the fine as well. So you have to add that on. So the NA, but also the share price fell right after the NHI thing came out, and I don't know what the effect would really. Be, Do you to think be the honest. market's got it wrong? We don't need to go into the semantics of this, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we know that the mm-hmm. NHI is not going to happen. It's a 250 to 300 billion project, and we don't have that. We've got to pay Eskom first. We've got to pay for Eskom first. So it's not going to happen. And if it does happen, and knowing the ANC and knowing the bureaucratic nature of politics in South Africa. It's also going to be delayed. Maybe it'll be five to ten years. Who knows? Everybody needs affordable health care. We know that. But it's not going to happen, Arnu. So is the market getting it wrong? And is this the sale of the century? 
I, I think it might happen in some form or or another. You know, the, the, the point is, like you said, there's millions of people who can't afford medical aid. I think just that might happen very differently to what's currently being perceived by the market. Um, and and this is, it, 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 I mean, we, we said exactly the same about land expropriation. Land expropriation is still not yet uh, happening. So it's taking uh, policies like this would take years to implement. And like you said. We don't have the funds to fund something like this to start off with. So where the hell is the money going to come from, to be honest? So I, I think one should be very careful when you read articles and concentrate on the facts. Yes, there is uncertainty, but you should be very practical and try and, and think practically, is this possible? How can it be implemented? Now, there was, there was great noise about um, uh, you know preferred assets um, and – this could be a way that preferred assets in a roundabout way can be implemented. Mm. So if government in a roundabout way says, we believe that medical um, services should be provided for, for all and not only the minority who can afford it, and therefore we think pension funds should place a certain number of assets into something like the NHI. You know, that could be a possibility. That's interesting. Um, so so it's, so, so that's something to watch. Um, but remember now, pension funds, you've got a fiduciary duty as a trustee of a pension fund. So if you put some money into something, you've got a duty to make sure that that thing performs. So again, I get back to the way we started. The only way I think they can do something like this, implement it practically and make it work, is if private sector works together with government, with the help of funding from uh, say, for instance, pension funds, if, if we if it might happen in some kind of way, then it makes sense because private sector then becomes sort of the, they oversee the whole project and they run it with the funding from, from pension funds and government just provides the backbone. So just the, the governmental services that underlies. Of course, remember, if, if you want to implement something like this, you would have to upgrade the, the already existing provincial hospitals, for example, um, because those become very, very important if you want to implement something like this. So I think we just in the start, we, this is just the infancy in terms of how you implement it, because currently, if you look at the numbers, if you look at the capacity in terms of staff as well, it's undoable. In, in the current form, it can't be implemented. It's just impossible. Exactly. So it would have to change over time. So I think one should be careful to take what's being put into the media um, because also the media just, just obviously reports what, what they know and what's being told. So, but, but remarks from politicians, one should be taken very careful and rather look at the facts and look at the numbers. Because if the numbers don't add up, it's not going to happen. The numbers don't um, add up, and we know that. The numbers exactly. don't add up for all, all sorts of things. Uh, tax returns, state-owned enterprises, mm -hmm. whether it be SABC, Eskom, uh, or South African Airways. After the break, we'll talk about the international markets.